few thoughts this morning uh, and uh, reading first of all is from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. Proverbs 3 verses 1 to 10 talks about the benefit of wisdom. That's God's wisdom. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and good, a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust the, in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring you health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God's word. God's word. I want to think this morning about um, the heart. And uh, you'll be pleased to know, uh, those of you with a medical background, it's nothing to do with um, physical heart. My um, medical knowledge seems to stop with paracetamol and aspirin, so um, don't get concerned. Your positions in the NHS are not at risk. <laughs> um, we had a pastor in this church quite a few years ago, uh, George Stout. And he um, often gave an example of um, the heart and the person, the individual and the world. And the picture was very simply this, a jigsaw. And on one side you had a picture of the world. And it was se segmented, fractured, apart. And on the other side, also segmented, fractured apart was an individual and the heart and this, the lesson was very simple the problem I'll read it out the heart of man's problem is the problem of man's heart unless he got there right then the outside was never sorted and three times in our reading this morning, the heart is mentioned. Three times in ten verses, that's quite a lot, isn't it? That's a high proportion. And um, perhaps the wise man discovered something here about the heart before God. From the very first verse, it's highlighted, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. In your heart. It's interesting that, isn't it, that the wise man's first direction was to the heart and not the mind. To the heart and not the mind. It's not to say that he was dismissive of the mind. The mind's important. God doesn't want us to switch off our brains. And in fact, in Romans 12, it exhorts us not to conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we're still thinking... You know, we don't park our brains when we, you know, come to think about the Lord or come into church. But in the context here, the heart has a greater preeminence 
It's brought to the fore. Not, you see, it's not about the head knowledge, but it's about heart experience. And if ever there was a wise person in Solomon, who you would think would rely on his own wisdom, then he actually says, further down, not to do that. But we'll come to that later. You know, he said not to forget his teaching, but to think about the heart. Keep my commands in your heart. Verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, submit to him, and he will direct your paths. So that's just emphasising again, isn't it? You know, we think we can be wise. We think we might have been this way before in terms of a, a situation. And even if we have, and even if we're, we, we believe we can handle it ourselves, or have the tools to deal with it, commit it to the Lord. Commit to Him. Even if we think we know what we're doing, commit to the Lord. Because He alone knows the big picture. That's true, isn't it? We don't know what's around the corner. We might think, oh, I faced this situation previously. But we don't know what's going to happen next. He does. And that's why he can direct our paths. Or as one translation puts it, make our paths straight. We're encouraged to trust the Lord with our heart, our whole heart, without a shred of doubt. Trusting him. Not a head knowledge that we think but a heart experience that we can be certain of in the Lord. Verse 3, it says this, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind, bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Not just write them on your heart, but the tablet of your heart. Not the chalkboard of your heart, which can be rubbed off. Not the whiteboard, which can be easily erased. But the tablet of your heart. And that to me speaks of the fact that there's a permanency about these things. Just as Moses got the laws on tablets of stone, and they were permanent, the Lord wants us to write those presets on the tablets of our hearts so that they're there for good forever a lasting ordinance God wants a lasting loving and a faithful people doesn't he he wants a people that are drenched in his word and have a heart for him and his word who love and live in faithfulness to him born out of a grateful heart Acutely aware of God's grace. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Billy's mentioned it this morning. Counting our blessings. We're the whole realm of nature mine. We've just listened to it. Sang along to it. Not a head knowledge of what God has done. But a heart experience. Rejoicing in what God has done. And is confident he can do the same. Because he's the same God isn't he? Yesterday, today, forever. Something that we repeat often. But it's worth reminding ourselves, if he's done it then, he can do it again. Remember when uh, Moses asked the Lord, who am I going to say has sent me? What did he say? I am. I am. The Lord is constant. 
We can depend on him in every situation. The good, the bad, the indifferent, the manic, the relaxed. Whatever the situation. Psalm 51 verse 10 says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Perhaps that's a, an aspiration now more than ever, which is um, of great value spiritually. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Because so many things can pollute our, our relationship with the Lord. He wants us to be clean, to be pure, to be righteous, to be holy. We've heard this, haven't we, on a Friday night recently too. The heart speaks of passion, doesn't it? Ooh, speaks of passion. There's a longing. And you know, sometimes when we're in God's presence, our words, you know, aren't sufficient for what we want to say. Is that true? That is true, isn't it? Because we have a finite vocabulary, we have a finite understanding. We, you know, and I don't know about you, but if you get excited about something, sometimes your tongue trips over you, doesn't it? Well, that's only right, because when our heart gets excited and our spirit gets energised, and we begin to think about what God has done, what Jesus has done for us, then our heart should leap for joy. Shouldn't it? Yeah? It should leap for joy. We perhaps know in only a small measure, but I still our hearts rejoice. I've written this down, and then I've put something in brackets. Okay, I've put here, a heartfelt thank you can be just as impactful on a little post-it note as a great big bunch of flowers. Now all the ladies here are shaking their heads because they prefer the flowers. But you get my meaning though, if it's a note of thanks at just the right time, when you've experienced something, it's from the heart, isn't it? And it might be a spur of the moment thing. It might be something that's not planned. And that's sort of what post-it notes are. They're not necessarily planned. You pop them down in front of somebody. Well, you know what? I think Claire prayed it this morning. We need to think about all of the blessings we have each day and thank the Lord for them. The big things, the small things. Say thank you. Post-it note of prayer. There we go. There's a, there's a new strap line for it. We'll have a post-it note of prayer too. But that's because... It's the heart and soul that elevates the thanks of the giver. If, it, if the thanks is from the heart, then it's genuine, isn't it? And it's genuine thanks that we want to give to the Lord this morning. And it can be whispered in quiet, or it can be shouted out loud. It doesn't matter if it's genuine, if it's from the heart and from the soul. Because the heart transports the words with sincerity to the Lord. When we consider what the Lord has done for us, surely of all people, the word says that we should be most thankful. Isn't that right? We should be thankful. Chorus says, to be in his presence, to sit at his feet, where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, O oh Lord. This is my desire. That's when our hearts are starting to respond to what he has done, isn't it? We want to be there because we recognise 
how great God is and what he's done for each one of us and what he's brought us into, into his family, into his, the body of Christ. There's a quiet longing in our hearts and we're lifted here from Gateshead into heavenly places. Ephesians talks about that. We're lifted into heavenly places. That's wonderful, isn't it? We're not just sitting here in our seats, but in our spirits we're elevated. You know, there are other occasions when our heart and our spirit ignite with joy. Not just the quiet things, but they ignite with joy, don't they? And uh, it says that David danced with joy. Now, I don't want to put anybody's hip out. So you don't need to leap up and dance with joy. But, wouldn't it be great when we come to praise, if we're all sort of on our, on our marks? You know, like Usain Bolt. I can see Norman like Usain Bolt. What do you reckon, Norman? How would the hip manage? But what I mean is, we're so urgent to praise God when we come into his presence that we can hardly wait where our souls and our spirits are straining to be there, to stand up, to sit down or wherever and to praise him because our hearts are responding to his love. Pastor Hayden mentioned the scripture last week um, Deuteronomy 6.5 and this sort of energises us doesn't it really love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength why does the heart come first? That's, that was my thought why does the heart come first? well I might suggest that's because the heart is where the desire comes from and what's our desire? What do we really want here? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The verse calls us to be in love with God with our whole being. With our whole being. The heart's desire. It engages our spirit and soul with the Holy Spirit. And we felt that before, haven't we? We start to mingle our prayers together and that sort of ignites one another and when the Holy Spirit comes in different plane that isn't it amazing focuses our mind on God's greatness catalyzes our strength our determination to show that the love to our Heavenly Father like I said before not head knowledge of what could be but a heart experience of a loving Heavenly Father and a gracious saviour right here right now as we live our lives day by day Jeremiah 31 33 Hebrews 8 10 and Hebrews 10 16 more or less say all the same thing and it's this that the Lord declares he will write the laws on the hearts of his people not to have more understanding of your word in our lives not just in our minds though, as it says, on the hearts of his people. Why? Because our Father doesn't just want a, a, a relationship that's cerebral, that's, you know, to do with the mind. But to do with the heart, the being. People who are passionate about him and about his work, his, his love for everyone. For God so loved the world. Have you ever thought 
of how God set his heart on redeeming us. Who was the most precious thing to the Father? The Son. He set his heart on redeeming love for you and me. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Demonstrates his love. And that reveals his heart towards each one of us, doesn't it? Because as we're demonstrating, I'm talking naturally here, as we demonstrate, then often that is revealing what's inside. Well, God demonstrates his love in this, in that while we were sinners, while we were powerless, while we couldn't do anything, Christ died for each one of us. I can remember a few years ago, we were um, all uh, encouraged, and I think we, I think we all did, uh, read corporately through the Bible in the air. Did that nod to the head? Yeah. Love it. And um, I remember one particular reading um, that, well, I remember a few, you'd be pleased to hear. But one particular reading that came to mind um, as I was preparing was, um, which struck me was about the high priest and, um, in the Old Testament. And as, as the high priest was dressed in all the sort of things, the ephod, you know, breastplate sort of stuck in mind. He had, the high priest had 12 precious stones on the breastplate and the 12 names of the tribes of Israel were engraved on those stones. And where did the breastplate go? Over the heart. So as the high priest came into the presence of the Lord, the names were on the heart of the high priest. As he intercessed before God. And as we take a step on from there, Jesus is our great high priest, isn't he? He intercedes for us before God. And he's, he doesn't have the fallibilities that the Old uh, Testament high priest had. You know, he's not, he's not restricted by time or by frailties or by shortcomings. Jesus is perfect in every way. Our sinless saviour. And note that the stones that I've just mentioned are precious to God too. Because they're mentioned again in Revelation. So they're precious to God too. However, I'd like to suggest that even more worth are the names that are inscribed on the stones. The names. Remember Jesus' words. When the disciples were coming back and they were really excited, Lord, we've done this, Lord, we've done that, we've seen this happen, we've done. He said, Hang on a minute. Rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. Now, have you ever thought that our names are written on the heart of the great high priest as he intercedes for us? Our names. The Lord doesn't just sort of come out with, uh, well, I guess 20 years ago it would be a Rolodex. Now it would be um, on your Outlook page on your phone. The Lord doesn't come out like that because that's impersonal. The Lord knows each one of us by name as individuals. Because 
As I've been talking about this morning about not just a head knowledge but a heart experience, the Lord too has a personal experience, an intimate knowledge of each one of us as we put our faith in Him. He knows us by name. He knows us by name. And we're upon His heart constantly as He ministers in the presence of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, just as we sort of um, come more to a conclusion, there's a challenge for us too. Acts 13, 22, reflecting on King David in the Old Testament, looks back, Paul's ministry, and uh, it's a powerful ministry. And um, he mentions the removal of King Saul and the, the instatement of King David. It says this, after, removal Saul, after removing Saul, he, that is God, made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's quite an accolade, isn't it? A man after my own heart. To be someone after God's own heart. Have the same desires, the same longings. The same things that spur us on. What does it mean? How does that make us live? How should it make us live? In what ways do we act and react in circumstances of life? If we are a people after God's own heart. Well, here's a few thoughts. And you could probably add a dozen more. But here we go. First of all, David was humble. David was humble. He appreciated that we are only a breath. I read recently that somebody wrote, we're just guests here. We're just guests here. It's only a little while. We're only a breath. So David was humble. David was reverent and respectful. He called on the Lord with a great attitude. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, you are wonderful. How awesome you are. You sit on the circles of the earth. David was trusting. He wrote, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wow, that's a declaration, isn't it? But he'd learned to trust. David was loving. He possessed a shepherd's heart. That's why God chose him, really. He was a shepherd and then became an even bigger shepherd if you like. A heart inclined to God and to the betterment of others. And that's a challenge to us too, isn't it? A heart inclined to God and to the betterment of others. David was devoted and faithful. Surely goodness and mercy, sorry, I'm Old Testament King James Version there, Norman, just slipped in. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wanted to be in God's house. He had a real desire for God's temple. David was appreciative and acknowledging. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. David was obedient. Give me an understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. 
David was repentant. And um, if I asked people to put their hands up if they were perfect, they'd all be doing the same as me and not putting hands up. Because we're not perfect. But David was quick to acknowledge his shortfall before God and to ask for greater grace in his life. A contrite heart and repentant spirit I've got written down here. And surely this indicates what our priority should be. And uh, I know Hayden's a great fan of alliteration. So I've got, I've put six L plates down this morning, okay? Because there's nobody here who's passed the test. We're all learners, is that right? So we've got six L plates. Now people who lean on God, depend on Him. Now people who labour for God, are people who are led by God are people who love God those who are lively in his presence it doesn't necessarily mean you're jumping up and down but sometimes it's just in here alive, awake, attuned alively in his presence and lavish in our praise because nobody deserves praise more than Jesus more than God our Father so there you go, we've got six L plates I'll be looking for them on your back later, Billy. <laughs> so knowing how much we are in God's heart, that should evoke a response. Our hearts responding to his love. And I, I'm pretty sure I prayed this on Friday night. Ephesians 3, Paul's prayer said that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and width and height and depth of his love. And how might David have responded to that? Quite simply, I've got two references from two psalms. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. To be pleasing. And Psalm 100, slightly longer, a few more verses, says this. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. And obviously the song that we started with this morning is I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. An older song, but the right attitude. As we come into his presence, our hearts are igniting as we respond to his love. Because his love quickens us and inspires us as we come into his presence. And um, I think lastly, just to reiterate one thing I've already said. So it's not a head knowledge, but a heart experience of his amazing grace, of his incredible love, his heart and desire for each one of us, his people. And as the song says, our hearts responding to his love.